For over 5,000 years of documented history, people have been using the cannabis plant as medicine. From ancient Chinese medical journals to the modern-day dispensaries, cannabis and its many medical uses have found their way to every continent on Earth. Today, as the prohibition against this plant is slowly being lifted around the world and our technological capacity grows exponentially, we finally have the opportunity to discover what this plant is truly capable of. Please join me, Matthew Myro, as I speak with the remarkable innovators working at the cutting edge of these discoveries. This is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine. This episode is brought to you by MJ.com and their brand new medical platform that they're rolling out in the San Francisco Bay Area. Have you visited MJ.com? MJ.com is the most trusted information source for all things cannabis. Whether you're a medical marijuana patient looking to find the right doctor or a consumer looking for exclusive savings at your favorite dispensary, MJ.com can bring you your favorite products right to your front door. Or maybe you're just a lover of the cannabis culture looking for the best original articles, interviews, podcasts, and educational information. MJ.com is the number one place to find everything you need. Visit MJ.com today. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to today's episode of the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast. You're here because you want to educate yourself on this plant. And you know that this podcast, here I am devoted to providing that education for you so you can hear from the very best doctors and researchers and growers and people that are working in the medical cannabis space to push this medicine forward. And if you haven't already, make sure you go over to Apple or Stitcher and wherever it is that you are enjoying listening to this podcast and leave a review. Let me know how I'm doing. I love to see five stars. If you don't think I'm doing five-star work, tell me why and I'll do my best to get myself to that level. And also, if you have more to say, more to share, you can always reach out to me at Matthew at edgeofcannabismedicine.com. I love to hear from you. Love to know what you're thinking about the show and how I can do better so I can keep bringing you these incredible guests week after week and keep bringing this education to you, my wonderful listeners. And this week is no exception. We have Savannah Reedy, and Savannah is part of the very first class of the very first ever graduate program dedicated purely to the science of cannabis medicine. It's at the University of Maryland at Baltimore, and it is a truly groundbreaking program. We dive deep into what goes on with that, what her education is like, and she also works in the industry. She is a scientist working in a lab testing cannabis for heavy metals. We go into all of that and what the possibilities are of this plant, not just as a medicine for our bodies, but as a medicine for the planet. It's really cool. I think you'll get a lot out of it. So please enjoy this episode with Savannah Reedy. I am Matthew Myro, and this is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast, and today's guest is Savannah Reedy. Savannah is an analytical chemist working in a Maryland cannabis and hemp independent testing laboratory. 
She's responsible for performing chemical and contaminant analyses on legal Maryland medical cannabis products with a focus on heavy medical analysis. Also, Savannah is a graduate student at the University of Maryland, Baltimore, where she is part of an historic first cohort in the nation's very first graduate program dedicated to medical cannabis. It's very exciting to me. I'm really curious about all that. So welcome to the show, Savannah. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Great. My pleasure. So let's go back a little bit, and I'd love to hear how you ended up finding your way into a lab studying medical cannabis. So I actually never thought that I would end up in the cannabis industry. I knew that I, I mean, I had always been a user of cannabis and very passionate about it, friends and family using medical cannabis. But I always thought with my undergraduate degree that I would end up maybe doing medical research or, you know, cancer, Alzheimer's, things of that sort. Um, my undergraduate degree was in molecular biology, so I always assumed I would end up in a research lab doing things other than cannabis. Cannabis wasn't really a option at the moment. Um, I actually ended up in the cannabis industry. I met a friend at my undergraduate university, University of Maryland. She got into the cannabis industry a little bit before me, and there was an opening, and she put in a good word for me, and the rest is history. <laughs> So now I'm here, uh, yeah, here for the long run and really excited about it. All right, cool. So what do you think so far? It's very hectic, as I'm sure everybody knows. Uh, you have to be able to pivot. There's always something new every day, whether it's legislation, we're finding out new things about cannabis, uh, politics, all that sort of thing. So it's exciting to be on the forefront of something that I think is going to be huge in the future, but it is stressful. You kind of have to be able to be ready for anything and uh, yeah, wherever it leads us. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I agree. It's going to be huge. Yeah. And, you know, with or without recreational being legal, I don't think it matters. You know, someone's, well, someone's going to always want to smoke a joint. Right. Whatever. They should be allowed to do that. But there's so much possibility within this plant that people like you diving into the analysis of it, we're going to be able to find out so much more what is truly possible with it. Yeah. And I think even not even just medical use and recreational use, I think um, things like what we're going to be able to use the plant for as in textiles and maybe even biofuel and things of that sort. So not even just medicine or uh, recreational use, there's so many other options that we could use this plant for. Yeah, exactly. I just finished a smoothie with a whole bunch of hemp parts in it. So yeah, yeah. food too. <laughs> so okay, let's dive right in. So I'm very curious about the heavy metal analyses. I spoke to a gentleman who owns a testing lab in Michigan, mm -hmm. and he never mentioned heavy metal as one of the things they're looking for. So I was curious to see that as something that you specialize in. Would you mind going into that a bit? Yeah, heavy metal analysis, I think is very important when it comes to cannabis. Um, in the lab, we use a thing called ICPMS, inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometry. Um, so basically, I introduce a sample into a inductively coupled plasma, which is a flame that's generated by the instrument of about 6,000 degrees Celsius. So this flame is very hot. Uh, the temperature of the sun is about 6,000 degrees Celsius. So it's completely obliterating the sample. I'm putting the sample through there. It's then being introduced into a mass spectrometer where that 
detector within the instrument will give me a concentration or quantity, whatever analyte I'm looking for, which in this case, I'm looking for heavy metals within the product. Um, I usually never see that much. For the most part, everything is clean. You will occasionally get a hemp sample or two that will have some contaminant in it, but um, I've rarely seen a failure for heavy metals. So the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission, which is our regulatory body here in Maryland, we test for eight heavy metals total. I know that a lot of, I think Maryland actually might be the state that tests for the most heavy metals out of the country. Um, majority of states test for four, the main four being arsenic, cadmium, lead, and mercury. Those are of the most public health significance. And we basically go off of, I know a lot of regulatory um, bodies go off of guidance based off of the United States pharmacopoeia for what they're looking for in drug products. So we go off of that guidance. The limit or point at which these sample fail, these samples will fail for heavy metal testing. Uh, these are set based on the estimated exposure to that metal, as well as the toxicity of that metal. Some are more toxic than others. So, um, yeah, we also base those limits off of the United States Pharmacopoeia's guidance as well. So with cannabis products, the limits are also based off of how much you're consuming. So, so you're consuming however amount of a flower per day. Like they're thinking more of long-term exposure than of if you're consuming however amount of metal just in one day, you know? So they'll base it off of how, it, how much flour you would be inhaling or how much concentrate you would be inhaling or ingesting or how much of an edible you would be ingesting. So yeah, it's really important, I think, for uh, safety of individuals. Yeah, definitely. So depending on the way that you're consuming the cannabis, is there different possibilities for the uptake of those heavy metals into your system? Like, like a, the combustion versus uh, eating it or, or what have you? Yeah, but I really don't know much about the uptake mechanisms of the body, but you can assume that inhaling would be a little bit more dangerous because your lung tissue is a lot thinner than a lot of other tissues body and you're also with your lungs you're absorbing things much faster than you would be say for ingestion or things of that sort um with flour also you are consuming much less if you're smoking versus if you were to eat an edible and so on so i think that all should be taken into consideration which i think that's what the united states pharmacopoeia does in their guidance of drug products they kind of they most likely look at how your body absorbs these things Right, right. So, and then how is the plant taking it up? Is it generally, because, so I was a cultivator for 15 years and, and I mostly used a hydroponic system. Mm -hmm. And so did some consulting and outdoor in the soil, but mostly with a soil-less mixture that allowed for the hydroponic. And so there's not really that much of a possibility of getting the heavy metals in there as far as I could tell, because i know exactly what the nutrients are that I'm feeding them. And I know that they're really high quality nutrients. Right. So is it um, more from like the pesticides or from different things that have been going on within the soil previously to the planting of the cannabis? Like how is it actually uptaking? Yeah. So the cannabis plant is an extremely efficient bioaccumulator of whatever it is in its environment, meaning it can uptake and store contaminants from soil, water, nutrients, like you're saying. 
Um, it usually is taken up from the roots of the plant of whatever environment it's growing in. So it'll accumulate there and go up into the plant tissue. I notice with cannabis, it's more in the fan leaves than the actual buds of the cannabis, uh, fan leaves and stems. So we know that cannabis is extremely tolerant to heavy metals and other contaminants it, or in the environment in which it grows. So you can assume, like you're saying, if you're planting in a contaminated environment, the plant's most likely going to take those things up. A lot of cultivators, like you mentioned, you did, a lot of people source their soil nutrients and water just to make sure that they're not going to accidentally introduce these contaminants. I know we've even had people come to our lab to test water, nutrients, the soil they're about to use before they even plant to make sure, okay, it's safe, um, free of contaminants. That way they don't have to, or they hopefully don't have to deal with a contamination issue down the road. Because if you come back, you're sending your product to a lab to be tested after harvest, and then you see, oh, there's all these heavy metals, and you have an issue. You're not really able to sell that, or people are not able to consume it. So yeah, a lot of people, like you said, source their soil and nutrients from trusted places or have it tested beforehand. That way they don't come into that problem down the road. Right. That whole, that Benjamin Franklin adage, right? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In the literal and, sense. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so do it up front, farmers. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. So you mentioned it being a bioaccumulator. So mm-hmm. I have a long-term interest with, with different kinds of farming and things like that. And wondering how it can be used for bioremediation. You had mentioned that that's a strong possibility. Yeah, so there's been a ton of studies showing that hemp is a great bioaccumulator of heavy metals, not just heavy metals, but pesticides and other contaminants in which it grows in. Um, Often this happens without even a noticeable change in the morphology, or you would think the plant is a healthy plant. Otherwise, um, plus you knew what it was growing in or got it tested later on. So in Maryland, most cultivators grow and source their soil indoors. And so they don't really have this problem as much, but for outdoor grows and maybe hemp producers, if you're growing on land that you don't know what had happened in that, in that spot beforehand, you could come, there could be an issue with heavy metal, metal contamination in the future. For example, if you were to plant near a coal mine, an old coal mine or something of that sort, you could have that run, that water runoff come in and contaminate your plant and you wouldn't even know until you were testing down the road. Um, so there's not much research on what actually causes cannabis to be so efficient at this, but I think this is a really cool topic for the future. My undergraduate degree, like I said, was in molecular biology, so I'm really interested in genetics. I think a really cool idea for the future would be looking into molecular pathways, maybe, in which these metals are taken up by the plant from the roots or from other ways. And I could even say looking into the genetics on this, maybe some strains are better at taking up metals than others based on their genetics. It's just just something to think about uh, once we're able to more readily do research in the future. Yeah, and then even going into places where there is kind of some toxic residue from, say, a coal mine or uh, even an oil spill or something like that, going in and planting an acre of, of cannabis or hemp 
that could be a way to remediate the soil and do all that. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. So actually in the 1990s, I read something really cool. Um, In the 1990s, a team of scientists actually went to the nuclear disaster site of Chernobyl and planted some hemp near there to see if it would accumulate the contaminants in that environment. And what they found was it was very efficient in accumulating the metals within that environment. So then in 2001, I read another study a group of German scientists did the same thing, planting hemp um, in a plot of land that was contaminated with sewage sludge to see if it would help uptake things from the ground. And it did, they saw that it also was efficient. I also read a study actually published this year by a team of Polish researchers that did a similar experiment, again, with sewage sludge, and they saw about the same result. So it's very cool. It's super cool. Yeah. It's super cool. Yeah, it's like it can heal the planet. Yeah, in a way. Not only just people, it can heal the planet. Yeah. And and so from what you said before, when it actually does do this this process of uptaking all these toxins, it doesn't necessarily show within the plant. So you would still be able to use the plant for different aspects, maybe not necessarily medicinal, but for agricultural or uh, technological or anything like that. Yes, exactly. Um, a cool idea, which I've been reading some papers looking into this as well, is biofuel. Like I mentioned earlier, I think this would be really cool to get into with hemp and cannabis. They There have actually been some studies saying that it could be just as efficient as a biofuel of some other crops, such as corn and things of that sort. So just, yeah, thinking of ways to use, it's not like you're growing this cannabis on contaminated soil and then selling it to people, you would find other things to do with it, such as textiles and biofuel, things of that sort. So there's so many opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Super cool. Yeah. And just think it. And so I like to keep the focus on cannabis as a medicine here on the show, but medicine goes beyond just what we put inside of our bodies. It also can be medicine for the planet as mm-hmm. well. And this is a really fascinating idea. Now, are there ways to go into the genetics of the plant and discover what it is specifically that is utilizing these different capacities for regeneration and isolate those to kind of, I don't know, I have this vision in my mind of taking a little dropper into a, a thing of sewage and dropping it in there and it just cleans it instantly. He's like, is that within the realm of possibility? Um, so maybe not that simple, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I think there definitely are ways to do this. I mean, uh, medical research right now, they look a lot into genetics, linking it to diseases and things of that sort. Um, you, genetics generates whatever protein or however, whatever enzyme or cell uptake pathway a cell or plant will do. I'm obviously not a plant biologist, um, but I think something really cool would be looking into the genetics of maybe mapping the genes that we think affect heavy metal uptake or like, I don't know, some strains may have different mutations of genes and things of that sort. So I think that would be very interesting to look into. Yeah. And so does it have to do with the the roots? I know you're not a plant biologist, so... Bear with me here. <laughs> I'm not either. I, I explore my own ignorance. So, because um, I'm thinking about things like um, like chelation that we might do because of our own 
a contact with different heavy metals from fish or, or what it might, whatever it might be, or, mm-hmm. or fillings in your teeth or things like that. Is there the capacity for cannabis to be able to help with that process outside of just the plant form, but by an ingestion? In theory, there possibly could be. I mean, right now it's wild west. It, we think cannabis has the ability to do anything, but um, I really do believe that, yeah, that would be a really cool idea to look into. I mean, you think of it as in in the pharmacological sense of you're taking the drug and it's acting on your brain, but I think that would be a very interesting idea. Um, I think it's more, I think cannabis works more as a bioaccumulator during growth. So I don't know how it would affect if you were to, like you're saying, ingest it, if it could, would be able to pull it out of your body, but now could do so much research on so many different things. There's always possible. Yeah. There's just so many possibilities. Mm -hmm. Every time I speak to someone new for this show, I'm I'm like, wow, wait, can it do that too? (laughs) This is crazy. (laughs) New ideas all the time. All the time. Yeah. All the time. So what does the future look like for you in this space? I really would like to stay in lab testing. I'd really like to get into research, like I mentioned earlier. Um, As you know, right now, we can't really do that much research. We're limited. Uh, The country is, at least. And yeah, I really want to get into, I want to keep a focus on heavy metals and maybe the cannabis plant as a bioaccumulator, like I mentioned earlier. I'm hoping that with the revision of the farm bill, uh, we're able to do a little bit more research into things like this. And I think even more than clinical research, we can learn so much more just from actually looking at the plant itself as well. So yeah, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And I think that's something that's often overlooked because of the schedule one placement that we have right now, we can't do any kind of research, right? let let alone on human subjects, but just studying the plant itself, which is something that would be so helpful in so many areas as you're explaining here. Right. And I think a big thing for forming policy and even doing clinical research in the future, we need people that actually understand the plant and not just the politics of it and not just the Bees that it works on your body. I think we really need people that understand how this plant works and what it can do. Yeah, so. exactly. And in that, also a better understanding of the endocannabinoid system within ourselves. Exactly that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just so much to explore. How it, outside, inside, the whole thing. Oh yes. Yeah. So okay. So I want to move into your graduate program. This is yeah really really cool. That first of all, that a major university would take something like this on, but just that it exists at all is so cool. It's, I would love to hear whatever you can about it. Like, when did you first find out about it? How did you end up being part of the first cohort ever? Like, it's very cool. So I actually just heard about it last summer, which that was when they first announced that they were going to begin this program. I had been browsing graduate schools for a while, trying to figure out what I was going to do, if I should stay in cannabis, if I should go elsewhere. This program was announced, and I feel like it was meant to be. I, I kind of wanted to stay in cannabis, but I didn't know what the future was going to be for it. So they announced this, and I figured, well, I'll just go for it. Um, this is really cool what they're trying to do. 
it's the first graduate program in the United States, and I might even boldly say the world, uh, dedicated to medical cannabis and the study of it. So we're doing a lot. Um, a lot of different aspects of industry are being covered. So we're doing pharmacology classes, cannabis delivery systems, clinical use assessments, public health consideration, and even stuff on policy and law as pertaining wow. to cannabis. So it's really taking from all aspects. Of course, my main interest is analytical science and the pharmacology behind it. Um, but it's really giving me a well-rounded view of everything it can do, like we were talking about earlier. I think the best part about this program is I've really met so many amazing people from all different areas of the cannabis industry. You don't really, you're kind of stuck to your own thing and whatever your job is, and you don't really think about what all these other people are doing in different fields. So I've met so many physicians, nurses, people working in dispensaries, cultivators, producers. I've even met people influencing policy, business people. So I think we're all just mainly learning from each other. And that's probably the most valuable thing from that I've gotten from this program. Yeah, sure. So what, what's a description of a course load for a semester? It is a part-time program. Okay. So, yeah. So per semester, we're doing two classes. Uh, they're primarily online, but we also meet in symposiums where we're able to network and give presentations and talk to each other. Obviously, with coronavirus, we're not really able to do that. So we've been doing a lot of virtual stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of just learning from each other and learning from the pharmacy school about you know, how these drugs work. And it's been really fun. It oh, doesn't cool. even feel so, like school in a way. <laughs> right. You just get to be curious and sit back and listen, I guess. Yeah. And so do you dive into a lot of the existing literature that's, that's around it, some studies from other countries because it's so limited here? Like, how does it work? Yeah. So that's been a challenge for a lot of us because there is such limited research on cannabis. We look, we do look at a lot of international studies. And um, so the issue is with cannabis, you'll often look up different studies to find information. And a lot of it is blog posts and anecdotal things. You know how it is. If you were to Google cannabis, you would see a million different um, articles all written by a million different people. So it's been kind of tough trying to weed out the scientific articles and non-biased articles versus the people pushing agendas or um, you have, like I said, the blog posts and people that are just posting themselves about stuff, which I think it's going to be extremely important as the industry grows and develops that the demand for these experienced and knowledgeable people's met. I think that's what this program is doing. They're trying to prepare us for the future and have us actually put great information out there for people to learn from, whether it's good or bad, uh, as in like whether it's negatively showing cannabis or positively showing cannabis. You don't want that bias literature of, oh, cannabis is great for everything. It's, there's nothing bad about cannabis. So, which is what I'm seeing a lot of now. So I think it'll be interesting in the future um, to see how cannabis policy and research will change and how more accessible good information will be. 
Right. That's the important part. Mm -hmm. And I know for a long time there, one of the physicians that I spoke to, who's also a researcher, was like, if you're you're not trying to get a study through the FDA that's saying how bad cannabis is, you're not going to be able to do the study. Exactly. Yeah. So there's bias from both standpoints, I think. You have the pro-cannabis people, some of them at least, that don't want to see the negatives, but then you have the people such as the FDA where all they really want to see is the negatives. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're in this weird sort of sweet spot right now where everything that we come across is just pro cannabis and it's it's this miracle drug and it can do anything for anyone and it it doesn't have to get you high because all these other constituents can do these things for you. And it's sort of a weird time. And at some point I feel like the bubble's got to break. It's like, (laughs) when are we going to find something? Exactly. That is a really negative or deleterious effect that this plant does. Yeah, exactly. And I've been thinking a lot about the whole CBD craze as well. There's simply not enough research to make any claims. So CBD has been shown to be the cure-all. It will help you with anything. Um, I think we just simply need more research on everything in every aspect to actually know what this stuff is doing. Is it good for you? Is it bad for you? Can it be beneficial, but also harmful if you were to take too much of it? Things of that sort. So I think the fu- for the future, we're going to definitely need more research in order to make claims. We are, for sure. The one thing that I'm keeping my eye on is a correlation between really high levels of THC and the consumption of that among late teen, early 20-year-olds, specifically men, and psychosis. And they're starting to see some signs of that. Have you seen any of the research around that? I've read a few studies about that, yes. That's very interesting. And I think um, we're going to need more long-term studies like that in order to really know what's going on and how does cannabis impact you over however many years of use and things of that sort. And I also think with the whole um, craze over THC levels as well, we're going to need to dive into what is the optimal dose of THC for certain people and how, along with lab standardization, to try and figure out how we can go about both medically and recreationally making cannabis safe to consume. It's it's definitely the recreational side of things that's pushing the THC levels up and up and up and up. Right. Yeah, because I, I, from everything I've seen, there has not been any kind of correlation between higher levels of THC and better medical efficacy. It seems like it's just, it gets you more stoned. And exactly. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, just simply we need research, research, research to actually know all of this stuff. So I'm hoping in the future um, we'll be able to kind of look into really important topics such as this. Yeah, and is this the direction that you want to head in? Not just testing for for negative things in the lab, but moving more towards doing research on what's possible? Yeah, but I'm more of, I'm more interested in the actual plant itself than the medical aspect. I don't know if I would be so much into clinical research. I'm more interested in, like we were talking about earlier, with heavy metal accumulation. Yeah, I'm not a physician. I have no plans to be, but... I think all of that research is really cool. Just I would rather stay on the analytical side of it. Gotcha. 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 Very cool. And do you think that this program is, is going to be sufficient in preparing you for moving into that and continuing in that field? Yeah. I think this program has really given me more of a well-rounded view of cannabis. Um, We've, 
I've not only been able to learn a lot more about the plant itself, like morphology and things of that sort, I actually didn't know a lot about the growth process and um, cultivation until this program. It's been kind of giving me a more, like I said, well-rounded. Um, I'm starting to understand the politics more instead of just staying in my little science bubble that I usually am always stuck in. So yeah, I think it has been in the sense that it's giving me more information about every topic other than just sticking to what I know. Yeah. And is there any kind of hands-on stuff? Do they have, like, can you watch the process of the life cycle from seed to flower and no. to understand all that? So at the moment, there is no hands-on. It's more of, um, it's mainly focusing on the therapeutic and pharmacological side of cannabis, not so much. They're not teaching you how to grow cannabis, if things of that sort. It's more of just um, the pharmacy side of it and maybe policy and how we can try and do more research on this stuff in the future. Now, if in Maryland, if I'm not mistaken, if you're a patient, you can grow plants, right? You cannot. You cannot. No, not in Maryland. Um, oh, okay. In Maryland, yeah, it's decri- the plant is decriminalized, and there is the medical program set up, but you are not allowed to cultivate at home. No. Gotcha. In DC, never you are. mind. <laughs> in the District in of Columbia, you are. you are. Yeah, which that's very close to Maryland, so I guess a lot of people do that. But uh, yeah, as of right now, it's just medical in Maryland and decriminalized. So. Yeah. And so the one thing that's really struck me when you mentioned that in Maryland, they're testing for eight different heavy metals, but most other states only test for four. Is there any kind of push that you know of as far as a federal overlay of these kinds of ideas of how we're going to be able to test and what's necessary for testing? And So right now, there's really not that much standardization on cannabis testing, which it has become kind of an issue. I think it's confusing a lot of people. I think in the future, we're going to really need some standardization on every lab following the same guidance and things of that sort. But in Maryland, we have our regulatory body, the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission. They come out with our regulatory um, lab testing guidelines of, okay, you have to test for this. These are your limits. And often this stuff is based off of more mature states such as California, Colorado, Oregon. And they're also based off of a lot of, like I stated earlier, the United States Pharmacopeia. They have a lot of stuff in there about guidance for drug products and how much contaminant should be allowed. So they're pulling information from other places. I think for the future, it's going to be really important for the labs to kind of come together as long as if the FDA were to get involved as well, I think this would be really good for lab testing because we would have more of a standardization and everybody's on the same page doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned constructive criticism in science and how you're always open to it and how necessary it is for science. And yes. I, I'm wondering if that's that's kind of an optimistic graduate student perspective because <laughs> with so many things in academia, I, I'm a recovering academic myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, most of the reason why I got out of it was seeing how stuck everything gets. You know, So many ideas are built around tenure and not an open mind. And yeah. how, how do you see being able to push this constructive criticism forward, especially in the scientific world? So... 
like you said, it could be my optimistic graduate student mind that's thinking this. Um, but I think constructive criticism, at least with myself, I want to know if I can do things better. If somebody gives me criticism, I always take it up. Okay, what can I work on? What's next? I'm always thinking of the next step of this was said to me for a reason. What can I do to better myself and better my scientific analysis and things of that sort. In the realm of cannabis, I think this is extremely important. Um, we need constructive criticism. There's not really that much structure anywhere right now. So I think we all can just learn from each other. And that may be the bold, optimistic thing for me to say. I'm an optimist in general. But I think in general, every scientist can learn from each other. You know, you want to know what you're doing wrong and what you can fix. I think in the scientific community, it's a lot of you're bouncing ideas off of each other and you're really learning from each other how to better your analysis or uh, better your extraction process, things of that sort. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And it's going to be so important moving forward because this is such a nascent industry and mm -hmm. there's so little known, like you're saying. And right now we're at a ridiculous disadvantage because states can't even really speak to each other about these things. And so right. eventually there's going to need to be a rescheduling. Eventually we're going to be able to have federal standardization and the states can speak to each other and scientists in Maryland can learn from scientists in Oklahoma and Florida or whatever it might be and be able to really understand what's going on here. Exactly. I'm really excited for the day that can actually happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Hopefully yeah, soon. I think overall with cannabis, everybody just, we need to have a good conversation about it. It's so political at this point. People want to believe what they want to believe, but I think everybody just, like I said, needs to come together and actually do some constructive prison criticism and really talk to each other the good the negatives and the positives of every aspect that's how we're really going to learn yeah absolutely because there's such a stigma still attached to it and then but there's people like you who are bringing up a whole new generation of people studying this plant and we need that so much we need that to remove the stigma because once we can bring the science in when we can bring the medicine in when we can have these understandings for people that are like oh you're just a stoner you want to get high and it's like no no that's not the case it's like actually there are so many different ways that this plant can be used and let's really talk about that right exactly i tell people uh, what i do for a living and they think oh, you guys are just getting high at work, you know, stuff like that. The stigma is still there. And I've been trying to make it a point to break that stigma of, no, we are chemists. We are scientists. We are not just sitting around doing what you think we're doing. We're actually doing analytical work, very scientific things. And um, I have trouble sometimes explaining myself to people because they already have that stigma in their head. So I think if people really knew what the industry was like, they would change their mind. People think people in this industry or people outside of this industry think or have this preconceived notion that people within the industry are all just stoners, like you said, when really all the people that I've met, they're extremely well-respected physicians and business people and people really that care about the plan and see the potential of it, not just a bunch of people that are hippie stoners or <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah i got to my, my grandma to listen to the podcast i was 
like, okay, oh, cool. great. We're, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Opening that line. We have an understanding, right? Maybe she wants to try some CBD. That'd be <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> I think what's great about, uh, you mentioned CBD also, that's kind of breaking down the stigma a little bit. I mean, of course, like I mentioned, we need more research, but people are starting to be a little more open because of CBD, yeah. I think. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, 130 plus phytocannabinoids and one, maybe two actually have some kind of psychoactive effect. Right. And so it's, it's good that we have one of the other 130 some that's getting out there and people are using it and understanding, whoa, I'm getting benefit from this and there's nothing remotely close to being high. So right. good. Yeah, so we'll see where it takes us. <laughs> we'll see where it takes us for sure. Cool. Well, I've got one more question for you. Okay. And that is, if you can see one change within the medical cannabis industry, what would you like to see? I think I would like to see, like I mentioned earlier, more structure, more guidance, everybody being on the same page and everybody talking amongst each other. Like you mentioned, different states aren't necessarily talking to each other. I think everybody in the country should really come together and kind of develop a guideline for all of us to go off of. We can all learn from each other. And I think especially for laboratory testing, this is extremely important. Um, If you think in the sense of clinical research, it's going to be very important for there to be a standard in what people are using when they perform this research. So I like with cannabinoid content and things of that sort. So I think, yeah, overall, I just really like to see people working together. And I think there needs to be more standardization with lab testing and just more standardization with the industry in general. Yeah, absolutely. Because it seems ridiculous to me that somebody might be able to be a patient in Maryland and get a different quality of medicine than they would if they lived in California or Oregon. That just seems absurd. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to dive into? Did we miss anything? Um, Not really. I think we covered everything. Your questions were great. (laughs) I I tried. I tried. (laughs) Fumble over my words sometimes, but that happens. Me too. (laughs) So. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Savannah. Thank you for having me. There you have it, folks. Savannah really taught us a lot about what this plant is capable of, and I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the possibilities of this plant, and I'm really excited about the future of education at a university level about medical cannabis. This is all really good news, and it's a really good sign for this industry moving forward, bringing more young folks in to bring the change that is necessary within policy, within research, and uh, just shake things up a little bit. And so if you haven't already, take a moment, go over and leave a review. It really, really, really helps for more people to see this, for more ears to hear this, and for me to understand what you want, what you need, and what you're hoping to get out of a show like this. So until next time, my friends, please stay healthy and enjoy yourselves. This Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast is copyright EM2P2 Inc. 2020. All rights reserved. Podcast use and availability is governed by terms and disclaimers available at edgeofcannabismedicine.com forward slash terms. I'm your host, 
Matthew Myro, and thank you for listening. <laughs>